0: Yeah, I think what's motivating my ultra running and the races that I choose to run as as goal races is, as a woman of a certain age, it's kind of trying to find that that point as to kind of where is my red line, you know, where is the what's the what's the race distance which I finally feel physically and mentally like that's enough. So I think any race that I do, I'm I'm looking to to understand and to feel what that looks like. So most of the races that I choose as goal A races are long distance races, you know, anything between 100 and 250, 300 mile races. Yeah, so it's it's about understanding what I can do at the age that I am going through what I am and picking super hard long distance races kind of helps me to get closer to that.
1: Women's running, running, Women's running stories.
0: Hi, my name is Sabrina Pace Humphreys. I am a trail running, ultra runner mother of four, grandmother of three, uh, author, and uh, co-founder and trustee of a community and campaigning group called Black Trail Runners.
1: Yes, in this episode, we are featuring Sabrina Pace Humphreys. She is a 45-year-old runner and the author of the powerful memoir, Black Sheep, a story of rural racism, identity, and hope. She is the host of the new and really excellent podcast, Sabulous. And she is the co-founder of the community and nonprofit, The Black Trail Runners. And in general, Sabrina is just an incredible force in the running world. But before we hear more from her, I want to welcome you to Women's Running Stories. I am Sheree Louise Turner. I am your host and producer. And we are the podcast that shares first-person stories told by women about their running experiences. And this podcast is a proud member of the Evergreen Network of Podcasts. Now on to Sabrina Pace Humphreys. As an ultra trail runner, she has accomplished a lot. So here I'm just going to highlight some races that are pertinent to this story. You're going to hear mentioned the notoriously difficult Marathon de Sable. It's also referred to by its initials MDS. It's a multi-day stage race in the Sahara Desert, and it was Sabrina's first ultra. You'll also hear her talk about the also notoriously difficult 268-mile spine race. And both of these events rank among the toughest endurance events in the world. And lastly, you'll hear about the next big event Sabrina has on her calendar, the 200-mile Winter Downs Race, which takes place in mid-December in the UK. And while the distance of the Winter Downs is shorter than the Spine Race, which Sabrina completed last year in 2022, the conditions of this 200-miler are like nothing she has ever experienced before. And that is 100% on purpose because, as Sabrina alluded to up top, she is on a quest to find her ultimate limit, which she often calls her red line. And this story is all about how Sabrina got here and why continuing to push her already well-tested limits is so important to her. She has, of course, a few key motivators in this quest, reasons that drive her, and one is because, well, I'm going to let her tell you.
0: Because I know that I have skills, life experience, strengths um, that that allow me to do things that other people can't do. And, you know, throughout my life, I've been told that uh, many times that I, I shouldn't be doing this, can't do this, uh, not just running, but all sorts of things. Um, you know, I've been in places where people don't look you know that they're I'm the only person that looks like me or that has the life the life experience that I have so I guess in some way I have a point to prove not just to myself but to naysayers Um, but more to myself in the sense that you know I can I know that I can do extremely hard hard things generally and I want to see you know I want to see how that translates into doing races that are extremely hard things and how I how I cope with that and how my body copes with that and how my mind copes with that and, and how far I can take it.
1: But it wasn't always this way. Far from it. Running wasn't something Sabrina did in her youth. And in fact, her first run wasn't even her idea. But it did change her life.
0: I think the very first run that I did, I did it in 2009. And I did it on advice of my GP because I was experiencing and and living with quite severe postnatal depression And, um, you know, that first run was a uh, was a a one mile um, walk stroke shuffle. And it was one of the hardest things that I ever did. um, Because i would never been a runner, I hadn't run, I didn't classify myself as a runner, I didn't think I looked like a runner, I didn't act like a runner. But I thought the stereotypical runner looked like anyway. And I remember that and no matter how hard it had been physically, mentally, in all of that period of running, I didn't feel as though I wanted to take my own life because all I could focus on was my body, how it was moving, how I was breathing, keeping myself upright, stopping myself from falling over. I was about five stone overweight at that point to kind of 12 weeks post baby. From that first time in 2009, when I started running, I, it was before the days of park run, it was before the days of couch to 5k programs, I, through my own initiative, kind of self-coached myself with very little experience or advice to go to 5k, 10k, half marathon. And then when I'd done a half marathon, I joined an athletics club here in my hometown. And they, it was full of runners who were the stereotypical white, male, pale runners and but they weren't women that you know they weren't women that looked like me or had the experience that I had so um after I'd done I I, you know I joined the athletics club and I trained for my first marathon and then I in 2016 I um I went into recovery for alcoholism because I had used alcohol as a way to cope with trauma past trauma Stress, anxiety, episodes of depression. That was my medication that I used in order to numb. And when I went into recovery in 2016, I, yeah, I guess I was looking for, I was looking for other things to do that would occupy my time, um, that would allow me to, allow me to work through a 12-step program in a way that was healthy. And I was watching a television program one night, and it was it was about this race called the Marathon des Sables, the toughest foot race on earth. It was following an Olympic athlete here in the UK when he had he had done it, and and although it was terrifying and scary, and I'd never gone above twenty six point two miles before, um, there was so much of about it that was very very foreign to me. But there was a spark that was lit inside me to to ask myself, you know, I wonder if I can do that. I wonder if that's a race that I can. I could do and that led to a journey to registering for the race to training here in the UK for a race in conditions that are nothing like the Sahara Desert input in my body and my mind and you know deciding to to train in that way which is you know hardcore training Um, to get to the start line in 2018 and it was a journey but it was the first time that I'd ever run over 26.2 miles in in training even for it I did my first ultra marathons as C and B races in training and there's just my body responds really really well to to running long distance It, it was made to run long distance I'm not a sprinter I'm not fast You know, last year was the first year I actually ever won an ultra race, um, and I never believed that I would. But my body just, yeah, I respond well to training. I respond well to all of the demands that are placed on the body physically and mentally when going long.
1: But that doesn't mean Sabrina didn't face times of deep doubt during the Marathon de Sable, times when she got her first look at where that red line might be.
0: I think that, yeah, I think the period at Marathon des Sables when it was on the long day. So the long day at Marathon des Sables is a stage race. So it's different distances every single day over five days. And one of the days they will always have as a long day and the long day my year was 83 kilometers non stop. And during that long day, so many things went wrong for me. I I couldn't get my, my stove to light, so therefore I couldn't have hot food when I needed it. I was having to rely to for my nutrition on snacks that were n- nowhere near the calories that I needed. I... I was cold. I didn't have a jacket. I would made a decision not to take a jacket to uh, when I went to the bivouac, the camp. Um, So therefore my body, I was cold. I was using external additional energy because my body, everything went wrong. And I remember it, it was very, very early hours of the morning. I was alone. I wasn't running with anyone. And my body just felt like it was starting to shut down, you know, and I dropped my knees into a sand dune and I the screaming, you know, crying into the darkness, looking up at the scars and, and you know, just, you know, like, why am I here? Like, why, that? what the hell am I doing here? You know, I shouldn't be here. I should be at home with my children. Um, And it was a real moment in terms of, you know, you look down at marathon, races like Marathon des Sables, you know, you always have a GPS unit and there's a red button there, your SOS button. And you're often told by race organisers, you know, if you press that button, you're out of the race because something serious has happened and I was really close, you know, I was looking down and I was really close to kind of pressing that button. But, you know, I had pre planned for moments like this. And I had asked um, my children to to write me some letters and, and write me something, do something for me that I could kind of call upon when I had these down moments. And um, yeah, I pulled out, I pulled out one of those packages. And yeah, it was a it was a drawing from my little girl, my youngest child, and and you know it was the most beautiful little kind of pencil drawing of, you know, the marathon des sab finish line, and you know a woman running under it that looked like me, and you know speech bubbles coming out of her mouth saying, you know, Sabrina Pace Humphrey's winner of the marathon des sab, and you know that for me was was. What I needed in order to pick myself up, dust myself down and 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 keep moving forward, keep moving my body forward to get to the finish line. Because my, you know, my children, you know, I everything I do in life is to show my children that, you know, there is no glass ceiling. There are no, you know, these are there might be hurdles put in front of you, but it's our job to understand how we can get over them if we want to. And and to inspire and and to to leave some form of kind of legacy for them and that's you know ultimately at the end of the day that's that's what it comes down to so so that's how it got me through but it was yeah it was my first experience of my body feeling like it was near near that line but actually it was nowhere near that line because i basically really only got stronger after that day so yeah
1: sabrina came out of the marathon de sable stronger and more confident than when she started Pushing that red line limit out even further. And it wasn't just finishing the MDS that contributed to her growing confidence and fortitude. She had also met or surpassed all of the goals she had set going into the race. And um, yeah, since
0: since completing the marathon day sub, you know, I I I really did everything I wanted to do there. I wanted to be a mid-pack runner I was. I wanted to get better in position each day. I did I crossed the line as 11th British woman. I was so proud of myself for that. And again, it just reinforced that I, when I put my mind to something with the right support structure around me, with staying committed, staying consistent, staying strong, that I can do things that many people can't and um, that my body was made for long distance running Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE.
1: Sabrina was beginning to discover these incredible strengths she possessed and how empowering trail running was for her. But she also noticed when she looked around that she didn't see anyone else who looked like her. And soon enough, it became imperative to Sabrina that she do something to change that.
0: Yeah, I think the um I think the impetus of forming Black Trail Runners came from an experience that I had in the French Alps in 2019. I was taking part in one of my first alpine mountain races and I again, you know, I the running industry is um especially trail running is that there's a massive lack of diversity, massive lack of black and brown faces um, when it comes to ethnicity. And, you know, you become very used to being the only person of colour at the start line or you look around and you don't see anyone that looks like you. And so much more so when it comes to to mountain running. And I was in a race and uh, had an experience where I slipped off the side of a snowfield that I was traversing and was kind of hanging on for dear life and screaming and asking for help and shouting for help and and five white male runners kind of ran past me as if I was invisible and yeah it was a horrendous traumatic experience to have um doing a sport which is pitched as being inclusive and the moral code of trail runners of all runners of, of what it is to be a human is you know if you see somebody down you stop and help and I wasn't offered that help and my lived experience tells me it's because I didn't look like someone that they would class you know would maybe have in their friendship circle or in their family you know I didn't have the skin color that necessitated them wanting to reach down and out me um and that messed me up I say it messed me up it impacted upon me mentally for months after that and we went into 2020 and obviously we went into a lockdown and a global pandemic and with the murder of Amu a black man who was murdered while he was out running in America, Breonna Taylor, George Floyd, it just really started me thinking about the lack of diversity and running and creating safe spaces for people of color in the outdoors. And also, you know, action that needed to be taken around that, that wasn't being taken by sporting organizations or brands who were in charge of marketing these sports and these spaces And I often believe that, you know, when you are putting an energy out there into the world and you want to create a change, um, you are delivered with people that can support you in doing that. And I started talking to some other black people who loved trail running and we decided to do something about it. Um, And we 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 created Black Trail Runners initially as a community and campaigning group. We launched in July 2020 Really just, you know, and, and I can remember thinking when we launched it, you know, even if we only find each other, it's six more people that of colour that I know that love trails like I do. And that we will be friends and share experiences for life. But as soon as we hit the button in July 2020, it went crazy with people across the world who were like, finally you know, I'm here, I'm doing the thing, or it's something that I want to experience trail running, but I've never felt safe to do so. Finally, a community that is aimed at addressing this lack of diversity, how can we play a part? How can we get involved? So it, it just flew, you know, and I've spoke about this a lot, because, you know, it's our three year anniversary in July this year. And it was the what they call the perfect storm, I think, in 2020, you know, you have a world in lockdown that Aren't allowed outside only for a brief period of time once a day. You have people who, when they are allowed outside, want to go into green spaces because it feels safer, they want to be connected with nature. You have, you know, the global uprising of the Black Lives Matter movement because of these heinous murders that have taken place. So, yeah, Black Trail Runners, the idea for it came at a time that just within the global consciousness, It needed to happen and it happened and it, and it sparked a a massive influx of, of members of white allies who wanted to see a more diverse trail running space of brands that wanted to work with us, media that wanted to understand what the barriers to inclusion were for people of color. And, and yet it continues. Community is, community is everything to me because for so many years of my life growing up, in a town that was was majority white, is majority white, I was the only person of colour that I would see, so therefore I had no community. I was it. Um, And that is really, really difficult. It's really difficult as a child, as a teenager, as an adult, when you look around and you do not see yourself represented. You do not see... You cannot converse with other people who... Who share that life experience, you know, and and especially within trail running, you know, within a sport that is, you know, trail running for me has been has given me a life beyond my wildest dreams. You know, it's allowed me to have a connection with the outdoors and nature that I never had before because I was extremely scared to go outside as a child and as a teenager for fear of being abused. Um, trail runnings give me the confidence to know that as a woman on my own. Or within a community that I can navigate, I can navigate the most beautiful places around the world in the countryside, the mountains, the valleys, the vales. And the reason that I put myself forward even more so these days in these crazy long distance races is to very much not just, you know, first and foremost to show my children and my grandchildren, but more than anything to show members of my community and allies that, like, we belong here, like we can do these things, we belong, we we need to be seen here, it's important that we represent here, it's important that we share what it is to be here, and at the same time it's important that we talk about why there aren't more of us doing this. So yeah, that's, that's community certainly, you know, since 2016, in 2016 I launched a women's only running community here in my own town because I wanted to provide a safe space for women, mothers especially to be able to run and not feel the pressure of having to run fast, having to look a certain way. Some women don't want to run in mixed groups. They just want to run with other women. So I created that in 2016. So I saw very, very clearly the importance of community and creating a shared experiences um, for specific demographics. And I think that you know, I translated that experience into launching Black Trail Runners in 2020 and, and now growing Black Trail
1: Runners. Sabrina is putting the energy out to develop the Black Trail Runners community. And in return, that community energy comes back to her and it's fueling her drive to discover what's possible.
0: I think that, I think that, being co-founder and trustee of Black Trail Runners has kind of almost um raised the bar in terms of I said raise the bar is probably not the right word, but it 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 stokes the fire inside me to want to push even harder to to do these do hard things because having that community support and having and knowing that the community are looking looking to you as a leader for guidance advice representation kind of almost kind of gives extra ammunition to me wanting to put myself in these scenarios to show that we can you know the spine race last year which I did was a case in point you know I was 268 miles along the Pennine Way here in the UK and I did it in June as part of the spot the summer spine race and um you know again, you know, I was broken probably around about thirty times every day. you know it was incredibly hard. It was a heat wave, it was you know I had various issues with my feet and nerve pain, and yeah, I remember you know, and there's videos to show me like I'm husk of a woman in some of the videos where they're asking me questions, but um, yeah, I remember getting a WhatsApp voice note from a woman in my community, and she just you know she reminded me of you know. She reminded me to remember, you know, our ancestors and, and, and situations that we have been in for over hundreds and hundreds of years. And, and that, you know, in these endeavours that not only do I have the community behind me, but my ancestors are walking this path with me too. And never underestimate, you know, the power of that, um, the power of that a generational spiritual support and also the 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 physical and mental support of present day brothers and sisters because it's not just my journey and that's the thing i think that black trail runners gives me is that this is our journey this is our legacy this is history this is how we we are creating change by really addressing those barriers to access, access skills and representation. And that just, you know, that just powers, that gave me again, just like the letter in the MDS from my daughter, you know, that voice note, it just gave me that spiritual soul fuel that I needed in order to continue to move my body forward. And yeah, it, it it just, you know, it it spoke to me on such a deep level that I yeah, that that I could keep going, you know, and I think I was like 200 miles in there and I still had like 68 miles to go. And yeah, it I I kept going, you know, and I and I I finished it. And for me it's, you know, it's about doing that. And reflecting on that and then being in turn, being that, being that voice and being that guidance and being that inspiration for other people, members of our community and not members of our community, because, because that every, you know, people need that in their lives. You know, they need, you need those people around you, whether it's community, whether it's friends or family who just know because of their lived experience what to give you in that moment so yeah I mean that that's you know that that knowing I've got that makes it a little bit easier almost to sign up for other crazy distance races you know my next one being you know 200 miles in December the reason I chose to do this race on the 13th of December is because it's different in the sense of it's winter in the UK it's whereas the spine race was almost 20 hours of daylight or at least light that you could see in front of you where you were going and like four hours of darkness you know it's midsummer in the UK the spine was summer race so it's you know you've get you're getting as much daylight as possible which makes things a lot easier when you're running long distance whereas this race in December is, the other way round it's it's literally almost <laughs> almost like eighteen hours of darkness and the rest you know uh, and the rest of daylight, so it switches it on its head, and for me it's that night running it's that you know, your body, the circadian rhythm of your body, where your body wants to sleep, you know, the, the, the sun is gone, the darkness comes, what you what your everything is telling you, your physically, mentally is, okay, we sleep now, but I'm going to have to continue to move forward. Um, you know, and I've, I've always found that with any race that I've done, it. Those, those night sections are, are hard, hard times because I love my sleep. And actually, getting into the rhythm for me, it's very difficult to switch my circadian rhythm that quickly, in order to, for my body to understand. Oh, okay, so I'll just ignore the prompts that it's night, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So I wanted. So this is what makes this race different. A, it's you know, it's it's winter in the UK, so there's going to be significantly more mud, significantly more slidey bit, significantly. There's not going to be the the beautiful, you know, um, exposure to sunlight that's going to warm my body, warm my bones, you know, make a view beautiful. It's most likely going to be a bit dull, <laughs> a bit wet, very cold. And I'm going to have to contend with things in this race that I didn't have to contend. with. I didn't have to wade through mud in the summer spine. It was very, very dry ground. I didn't have to. There was no rain. I, I bet I didn't even use my waterproofs in the summer spine. It's just a different set of challenges um, that I've never experienced within a race before. So what is 200 miles, you know, is 68 miles less than what I did last year. But I have no doubt in my mind that this may well be getting me near to that red line because it's going to be a real challenge. There's no doubt about it. It's going to be one of the hardest races, if not the hardest, that I've done today.
1: Sabrina Pace Humphreys has transformed in ways she would not have imagined back in 2009 when she embarked on that very first one-mile outing, hoping to find a way to relieve the severe postnatal depression she was experiencing then. Looking back, she had some powerful words of wisdom and insight to share with that earlier version of herself. I would tell that
0: person, you can do really hard things, like you've proved it in your life, like this is hard, but this is also going to set you free as well. Because it did, it set that run and running continues to set me free from mental trauma, from ongoing day to day, you know, abuse that I suffer via the the platforms that I use to promote the the things that I'm involved with, Black Trail Runners, my book, um, social justice, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. So, I think I would say to her you know this is the start of you really understanding from a physical and mental point of view the the resilience that you have and the depths that you can go to in order to move you move your body and mind forward through space and time
1: that was the start and now Sabrina's journey continues to evolve I think that
0: um from a mental resilience point of view I think I have a really really deep well at which to gather um strength and physical strength mental strength from i have had that ever since being a child um and and it's something that i didn't understand why i was necessarily going through or even in my life you know various things that have happened you know this this resilient this well of resilience has kind of got you know has been <laughs> has been something that i've i've often had to take from and and it's something that i'm asked a lot by people like where or, where do you get that where do you get that shit to kind of keep going and I'm like well i I've got this deep well that I can kind of drink from um, so I think I take that with me. I think that you know my strength, I think my physical strength that I continue to develop that's continued to be really, really important to me, not wanting to punish my body via the act of running, but wanting to celebrate my body is is something that has come with age you know being proud of what I am of physically what I am of my skin color of my how my body makeup of my mental ability all of these things I take with me I I bring in my backpack when I do these epic events with me um and and also you know the the I guess the kind of legacy that I continue to create through these endeavors and continue to share with those people that want to hear about them, but whether it's via books, via podcasts, via articles, whatever it is, to show that if you surround yourself and it's, it's taken, you know, it takes time to learn this, but, you know, surrounding yourself with people who are for you and for the projects that you work on and want to uplift you and therefore in turn, you Uplift Them Is are some of the key lessons that I've learned that continue to drive me to want to do these things and want to continually push for more in my running, in my life. I think so those are some of the key things that I bring with me that allow me to, continue, you know, give me the confidence to continue to do what I do Because, you know, after the 200 miles in December, of course, for 2024, I've got even bigger plans. So, um,
1: yeah, yeah. Of course, Sabrina Pace Humphreys has bigger plans for the future. And you're going to have to stay tuned for what those plans will be, because this is the end of Sabrina's story on this podcast. Of course, I will link to all of the ways that you can keep up with Sabrina and with the Black Trail Runners in the show notes. I do want to highlight a couple of items that I really recommend, and one is Sabrina's book, Black Sheep. It is an important and really powerful book, and I also recommend Sabulous, her new podcast it is uplifting. It's engaging. It's insightful. It's just she has great conversations with really interesting people. And yeah, go give it a listen. And it's called Sabulous. I mean, what a great name. And of course, I want to thank Sabrina Pace Humphreys for coming on the podcast and sharing her story. I've had the opportunity to interview Sabrina a couple times in the very recent past. And wow, it's just been such a pleasure and an honor and I'm so thankful to have gotten to connect with her. I've wanted to have her on the podcast for a very long time, and I'm just really happy that that time has finally come. So thank you, Sabrina, for your time and for sharing your story and for everything that you do. I also want to thank you, the listener. I really appreciate you being here. I love making these stories, but I know that the power of them is in you listening. So Yeah, thank you for being here. We do have new episodes every Friday, so go ahead and subscribe so you don't miss one. I also want to let you know that I do not make this podcast by myself. Cormac O'Rean does all of the original music for women's running stories he has for every single episode. And he does that from his studio here in Cork, Ireland. That is going to bring us to the end of this episode— so I will sign off for now. I am Sheri Louise Turner, your host and producer, and until next week, I wish you joyful, healthy strides forward. Women's running, running, running. Women's, Women's running, running stories. stories.